Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to see you. And I hope you have enjoyed today's service already. What a great time of worship. What a great time to spend in God's presence. And it's nice to be back with you. I, uh, I first want to say thank you to Pastor Dwayne, who spoke very, very well last week. And I thought he did a great job. In fact, so well that I've just stopped talking. Because if uh, you heard his words, don't talk unless you're going to be willing to be accountable for your words. That's, that's a risky thing, isn't it? And so he did a great job, and uh, I'm, I'm very, very pleased that we have somebody like that that we can bring in on occasion. And I also, like my wife said earlier, we're celebrating the birth of Addison Renee, and uh, nine pounds, 12 ounces, just a massive little child. <laughs> and uh, just a beautiful, beautiful child. <clears throat> And so we had, we had a lot of fun, uh, but she was six days late. And so that's why I ended up staying up there and having a good time uh, with our family. I want to remind you of baptism. We're going to have a great time. The pool's going to be right here in front of the stage next Sunday. So if you want to be baptized, some people have asked me, what if I've already been baptized but kind of fell away and I want to come back and I want to make another public confession of my faith? That is perfectly okay. If you want to do that, you want to come back and make another public confession of your faith, we encourage that. And so don't hesitate to take the opportunity to be baptized. Just go online, sign up, or you can talk to Julia over here. She'll be happy to help get the information that we need to make sure we're ready for you. We're going to have a great, great weekend next weekend. It'll be the first baptism of Journey Church, and we're very, very excited for that. <clears throat> I want... I was moved yesterday by a... Uh, by, by, by what happened in our, na our nation's capital, I don't know if you knew, but there was a prayer march called Prayer March 2020 for, uh, uh, sponsored by Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son. And it was a powerful, powerful experience of just seeing the prayers that went out for our country and how powerful those prayers are. And this morning we are going to pray for our country. I want, I want to take a moment and just uh, open up our hearts and ask God to move in our country. Because really... Our country needs prayer. Amen? Our country needs prayer. Before we pray, I want you to hear this song. This song is called Earth to God. It was written by a man by the name of John Rich, or at least sung by a gentleman by the name of John Rich. And I thought it was such a powerful song that I want you to hear the words, and immediately following that song, we're going to pray. God, we, we echo the desperation of this song. We echo the heart of this song that realizes that you are the only one who can help our nation. That you are the one who can change and transform hearts. You are the one who can heal and restore and reconcile and raise up righteousness, Lord, instead of the evil that seems to have a grasp on many aspects of our country today. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would, in your power, in your grace, in your forgiveness, in your love, in your justice, have your way in our nation in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would lift up our hearts, that Journey Church Ventura would be a spark Lord, a spark that we could make a difference in this community, in this county, in this state, in this country, that we could be a small part or a big part of something great. Lord, I pray that you help us to make a difference in our community, in our world. 
We pray for our nation. Lord, you tell us that if we just believe in you, you will hear our prayers and you will answer them. And we believe, God, that you are the one that is the solution to our country. You are the one who can redeem and restore and heal our land. And we pray that you do that in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we go through this time of elections and as we go through this time of, of, of crisis in our country, through the pandemic and protests and all these things, Lord, we believe that you are an influence. And we pray that you would influence by your grace the hearts and lives of every person in our country today. We give you thanks and praise for that, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, and amen, and amen. I've listened to that song probably 10 or 15 times just because I love it. And uh, every once in a while, a song gets a hold of my heart, and uh, it's, it's amazing. And so I'm, I was privileged to be able to share that with you guys. Well, we've been talking about power and uh, last week, we talked about the power of our words. This week, we're going to talk about perfect power, perfect power. And it's probably not what you're thinking. It might be that you think of power in the context of, of that strength, that, that ability to move mountains and do all these things. And certainly, that's God's power. But we're talking about a different kind of perfect power today. The big thought that we've been using the whole way through this series is simply this, is that God's power is the only power that truly changes our lives and affects change in others. God's power is the only power that truly changes our lives and affects change in others. That's the power that we seek, and that's the power that we need. Amen. The tension is this, is that there's a kind of a, a misunderstanding of what power really is. I mean, human power is this power that's self-motivated, right? It comes from inside of us. It comes from our own self-will. It's our power. But then there's God's power. It's a different kind of power that comes from him. And he uses a uniqueness in us that we'll talk about in just a minute. It's not self-motivated. It's God-motivated. There's another, the, the, the power, the, the idea that we have authority. And as long as we have authority and we have this ability to control things, then we can um, <clears throat> have power. When in reality, God's power is all about submission and giving up and surrendering to him and giving uh, our, our, our control away and surrendering to his control. And then there's wealth. We think that if we just had enough money, we could control ourselves and at least uh, maybe some of those around us. And that's true in, in some cases, at least in our world economy, but in God's economy, generosity results in the blessing. It's not the wealth, it's the generosity. It's self-made self-driven people that think they have power when we want to be God-made and purpose-driven. That's the kind of power that we're looking for. Here's the uniqueness of God's, diff the difference between human power is that we think that strength represents power, but when God thinks of it, he thinks in terms of our weaknesses. Our weaknesses. Now, that's the crux of the matter right there. The, the, we have weaknesses. I, I know I have plenty of weaknesses in my life. And uh, one of the things that's true about me, and, and if you're anywhere near close to me or you know my history, um, doing what I do as a pastor is a complete contradiction to everything I am without Jesus. Everything I am. Leadership, confidence, security, 
All of those things pass away as soon as Jesus leaves my life. As soon as I, I get in the flesh and I start thinking about who I am in myself, all of a sudden my confidence goes away. All of a sudden I, I, I fear leadership. All of a sudden I, I worry about uh, what I can even uh, have a right or a reason to stand here on this stage and, and at this pulpit. Why? Because without Jesus, I'm nothing. Without Jesus, I'm only a bundle of weaknesses. But God has taken those weaknesses and he's done something unique in me by his Holy Spirit, not by Ricardo's power, not by Ricardo's willpower, but by God's power. He does something unique in all of us. He takes our weakness and he becomes strong. Perfect, perfect power. Here's the tension that happens is that many of us think that if we have a special power, right? We, we, we think that we look at superheroes and they have these superpowers that uh, Superman can fly through the sky, jump over a, a tall building in one bound. He can do all these, these special things and that makes him powerful. But in God's economy, in God's way of doing things, it's in our weaknesses that we find power. In humanity, we think that, boy, that, that person that can, that, that, that can do things uh, that are special powers, those are the powerful people. They have the special gift. They have the special... And we've, we've taken in the American culture and we've identified those people that are super gifted. And we elevate them to powers. Sports people think they have a, a, a power that they can use to, to make a voice. And, and instead of allowing that, that power to be something that is, is an influence in a positive way, sometimes they use them in a negative way. We elevate these people to places because they have superpowers or abilities or gifts. And that's not taking away anything from those things. But we must understand that those things are there for a reason not because of the man or the woman that, 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 that uh, has a hold of them. God has created them in a unique way, and in a unique purpose, and in a unique cause. And when we let God take control of those things, then true power can be realized. Power doesn't always come in the form of a blessing. Now, this is going to mess some of, you, some of you up because I know that many, many of us have been taught, and I've been taught over my uh, faith years, that, man, if you get sick or if you have an ailment or you have something wrong with you, that there's something wrong with you. But this is what's true, is that power doesn't always come from a blessing or a, a strength, but it comes through a burden or a weakness. Power often shows up in our weaknesses, Power often shows up when we are uh, going through hard times or experience something difficult in our lives. And we need to realize that we have to uh, take and embrace the challenges we face in our lives rather than um, try and get rid of them. In some cases, not all cases. I'm not saying that everything we experience is because God wants us to be, uh, have these ailments. But sometimes these ailments need to be embraced. There's a, there's a thing that, that happens when we pray, when we're going through tough times. And it's this, this thing that, that and, and I've prayed it many, many times. God, take this thing from me. Take this thing from me. Get rid of this weakness. Get rid of this ailment. Get rid of this challenge that I'm facing. Can I substitute this for that? Instead of praying, God, take this and make me what you want me to be. Transform me 
into whatever you choose, however you choose to use this thing in me, use it for your glory. Transform me. Here's some words I want you to remember. Let's not pray for substitution. Let's pray for transformation. Let's not pray for substitution. Let's pray for transformation. Let's look at a story in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. And I'm going to read the whole passage to you, and then we'll walk through it together in brief. It says this, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 10. I must go on bus- boasting. Now, Paul is talking to the Corinthians who have listened to a whole bunch of false teachers. A whole bunch of false teachers. One of the things that was very common, it's very common today, is that uh, you, you brag about how good you are. And so these false teachers in the Corinthian church were bragging about all these special revelations, all these special things that they, they knew and understood or, or believed that they had these uh, incredible visions. And so Paul was inclined and actually compelled to explain to the Corinthians, hey, I'm not a false prophet like these guys are. I'm not a false apostle. I am a legitimate, genuine, blood-bought, life-changed, transformed-by-God kind of guy. And not only that, but I am a genuine apostle. I'm not a false one like these other people are. And so he, in, in chapter 11, he spends all of chapter 11 describing, get, kind of putting out his resume. And he continues on in, in, in chapter 12, and he says this, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man, and he starts talking about himself in the third person, which was a very common thing to do in this culture. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago when he was uh, 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 originally saved, 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, a place called paradise, where it was in the, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things that nobody, no one is permitted to tell. He went up to heaven. Paul was taken up to heaven. He had this an, an unbelievable experience, but nobody knew this until now. 14 years later, Paul, the apostle, did not use this as part of his testimony. Wouldn't you? Like, if you had a special power that you had been up in heaven and you had gone someplace special that you would have said, hey, you don't know where I've been. I've been to heaven. I've, been sa- I've sat next to God himself. I've been in his very presence. Therefore, I have all the authority to speak on whatever I choose to speak on. He didn't, he didn't leverage that story. It was until now, 14 years later, that he was compelled to share this only because of false apostles. He says this, he goes, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. If you're a Bible highlighter, that might be a good place to go right there. Highlight except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. In other words, he was calling the false teachers fools because they were telling things that weren't true about themselves, but he was speaking something that was true about himself. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than, I w- than is warranted by what I, I do or say. 
or because of these surpassingly great revelations. In other words, these things aren't what is powerful in my life. Then he says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Perfect power. Therefore, I will, amen. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. Amen. Now, this is not Paul is trying to help the Corinthian church understand that power is not identified in special abilities, but in weaknesses. This is where we have to have a transformation of our mind, that we need to understand that not all bad things that happen to us are bad things because we're bad people. Not all bad things happen for those reasons. Paul has these incredible experiences. He goes to heaven, and he goes in, and, and he spends time with God in these three experiences. I'm going to talk about three experiences that Paul has right here that he describes to us. He first tells us that he has this experience in heaven. He goes up, and he has this amazing experience. And he says that it, it could make him special. And, and here, we again, we make, in, in our culture, just like in this culture, Special people that had spe special experiences or had special abilities were elevated to this place where they were given authority and power. When it wasn't genuine authority, it wasn't real. It's not what God wants to use to elevate us to any place of authority or power. Yes, wonderful experiences. Many of us have had uh, mountaintop experiences. We've been in the presence of the Lord. We've had those great things. How many of you have ever been able to live off of those experiences? I, I can't live off of those experiences because many times those experiences are wonderful. They're good mile markers in our faith, in our life. Maybe they were transformative times, but we continue to live life experiencing some of the, 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 the weaknesses of our own, our own uh, bodies, our own lives, our own minds. And so Paul is saying, I had this one experience. I went to heaven, and we, I had a great experience up there. In fact, I saw so many things that uh, were so special that I can't even talk about them. God, God told me, hey, you don't, you don't share those things. And he even, shared, he even held them back, making sure that he didn't want people to think more highly of him than they should. And so he held them back. We need to stop hoping that we have something special happen to us. We are special in our own right. That's really what this message is. It's not about going to heaven. It's about being what heaven is inside of us. It's being about what God has made us to be. Paul is saying, yeah, I've been there, but that's not what makes me special. That's not what makes me strong. That's not what is, is important. What's important is seeing God in my life, not this special event. Not this special moment, not this special power that he could claim. So his first experience was this heaven experience. Amazing. Then he has a second experience that brings him down from the first one. It says in, 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 uh, 
in verse 7, it says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now this blows away all those people that believe that if there's something wrong with you, there's something wrong with you. This blows away that concept because what's going on right here is there's nothing wrong with Paul other than his uh, potential of becoming a conceited. We all have that ability. We all have that uh, uh, potential in our lives because we're human. We all, all want to say, man, I am, the, I, I am that, all that in a bag of chips. I was like, what does that really mean? It means you're a hamburger, but you also come with fries. And if you're really special, you come with a vanilla shake. All right? And that's, that's, that's what that means. And, and if you believe that about yourself, why do you believe that about yourself? Is it because you've had some special event happen to you? Is it because you've had some uh, experience that no other humans have had? And it's because you're something special? No, no. That's the way God doesn't want us to think of ourselves. Yeah, he, he's okay with us having self-confidence, but it's confidence in him, not in us. That's a powerful truth. It's a powerful truth. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, it's interesting that we, uh, if we think that there's something wrong with us, that we kind of cancel ourselves out. We say, oh yeah, if there's something wrong with us, then there's something wrong with me, that God isn't happy. Well, that could be true. There's three kinds of suffering in this world. There's the suffering that comes from a fallen world. We live in a world that is in decay. And God says that there's going to be a new world. Believe it or not, I don't mean to be a messenger of doom, but this isn't the world that we're going to live in for eternity. There's going to be a new one. There's going to be a new world. There's going to be a new body. <laughs> I'm praising God for that. <laughs> Let me tell you a little story why I'm praising God for that. Because I was hanging out with my grandson, and he was riding this little uh, bike that he had. And uh, it's called a, a balance bike, and you get on it, and you just scoot it along, and you, you kind of run it along. And he decided he didn't want to ride it anymore. So Grandpa, Oko, is who I'm called, Oko decides, hey, I'm going to show you. You need to ride this thing. And I get on that thing, and I start pushing it, and I fall over. And I have a really bad right knee, and I fell on that knee. And in that moment, I was praying, Jesus, take me home. Give me that new body because this thing's falling apart, and it hurts like crazy. Oko should have never been on that balance bike. Oko should have never, ever tried to run that thing. And I fell over, and I was like, oh, I, you know, I had to do that thing with your grandkids. It's like, oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Oh, it hurts so bad. It swelled up, and it got ugly, and I limped around and cried and moaned for a little while kind of suffering that we face is just, we live in a fallen world. We live in this world that is decaying, and we live with bodies that decay. It's not because you've sinned that your body is sick. It's because we live in a fallen world that your body is sick. It's not because you have sin in your life that God is going, oh, you need to get sicker than sick. It's because we live in a fallen world that we have these diseases and the COVID and all this kind of stuff that's going on. That's what's happening in this world. I'm not saying that God doesn't judge. I'm not saying that God doesn't bring it. In fact, he does punish his kids. It's personal sin that could be a reason. 
It's always good to ask the question, is there something in me, God, that is making me feel this way? Is there something in me that you are doing? In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, it says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to point to the point of shedding your blood. And you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. This is a blessing and also a painful reality. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, but because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. There is punishment for sin. God, I love this one statement that a, a, a commenta- commentator said. He said, he's never going to let us enjoy our sin. It's never going to become a comfortable thing to sin. There's always going to be this discomfort, if not a discipline or a punishment that comes along with it. And we have to ask that question, but not always. Sometimes it's just that we live in this fallen world. All of us are going to die of something. All of us are going to die of something. Not because you sin, but because the world is, is, is a fallen world. All of us may experience the discipline of the Father. But there's another kind of suffering that many of us may experience, and that is that it's God-allowed. It's God-allowed so that you and I express and put out the perfect power of the Almighty. God allowed. God allows it to develop us. Paul called it a messenger of Satan. In other words, he was like, he hated whatever it was. We don't know what it was. Whatever the thorn in his flesh was, he hated it. So much so that he called it a messenger of Satan. Now, it could have been. It could have been something that, uh, because Job was, uh, if if you're familiar with the Old Testament, Job was a guy that uh, the devil went to God and said, hey, you got this guy over here, Job, that's a righteous guy. He's living right, but he won't serve you, God, if you take away his blessings. And, and the end result was, is that Job ended up serving God, but the devil took away everything that Job had, except his wife. You ever ask the question, why didn't he take Job's wife? You ever wondered that? Was his wife so bad that it wasn't worth taking? Is that, was that, the, is that the issue? <laughs> I'm sorry, but, you know... <laughs> Job, Job's wife, I mean, the devil took everything away but Job's wife. I don't know. It could have been his, uh, I don't know. I don't think she was a messenger of Satan, but um, for the devil to leave her alone, that's a message all in itself right there. I'll preach that later. God oftentimes allows things to come into our lives to keep us humble, to make, to make us stronger, to allow us to grow to take something, if you have a special experience, that special experience might be followed right by a thorn in the flesh. And what in, in, the impression is, what Paul is saying is simply this, is that sometimes there's th- we have so much in our hearts that God wants to do in and through us that he'll keep us something in there to keep us humble, to keep us always crying out to God, God, allow me to always depend on you. Whatever this thorn in the flesh that Paul has, most people believe it might have been an eye issue, something that was left over from when he had a vision of Jesus at his conversion. If you remember, he was left blind. He got knocked off his horse. He was persecuting the church. He got knocked off his horse and and was blind. 
and then was healed from that blindness. Some people believe that that blindness or something in that continued on as he went on. Other people believe that it was temptation that he just continued to face and continued to face and continued to face and it continued to call him uh, to to call make him call out to God and say God give get rid of this temptation I'm really sick and tired of it and it was enough that that people thought that Paul had a weakness he had something that 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 was a visible or apparent and, and um, we don't know what that was but this was a God allowed thing this was a God-allowed thing, and Paul calls it a weakness. There are three kinds of responses to this kind of suffering. We can either be bitter. I don't know if you've heard the saying. Maybe you've heard it too many times. It, you, can, you can let it make you be better or bitter. And uh, I think it's become a cliche, and when we're going through tough times, I really don't want to hear that from anybody. <laughs> don't let it make you bitter. Let it make you better. Okay, that's good, but you know, we're, I'm going through a tough time right now. We don't, we don't need that, but that, it can be a result of something going wrong in your life. We can give up. We can surrender. We can say, I, I, I give up. I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try and overcome this challenge or this issue in my life, this weakness. There's no courage to face the issues. And then the other way we can respond is to simply endure with confidence that it has a purpose. I've gone through enough experiences in my life and enough things that have challenged my heart and my mind and my emotions and all these kinds of things. I've gone through very, very weak moments in my life. And I've learned, and I hope I can share this with you, that I've learned that many of those weak moments were there to help me draw near to God. Were there to help me get, grow closer to Him and say, no, Ricardo, it's not about you, it's about me. No, Ricardo, you can't do this on your own. You can't pastor a church. You can't speak from a stage. You can't do these things unless you are willing to let me lead you. And I won't do anything. I won't allow you to think it's about you. And I'll do whatever it takes to knock you down so that I can pick you up. That's the power of weakness. That's the power of understanding that God wants us to embrace these times when we uh, are asking him to substitute rather than transform. God, take this thing away from me. Take this thing away. No, God is saying, no, I'm not going to take it away from you. I'm going to let it change you. I'm going to let it change you. I'm going to let it transform your heart. I'm gonna let it tra You're going to become more, more connected to me than ever before because of your weakness. I like the story of just the, 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 the person walking along the, the beach, and they're noticing a difference in, in, in the rocks. The rocks back uh, up above the, the waterline are rough and rugged and, and, and have hard edges, but the rocks on, on the, on the, where the water continues to pound on them, and they continue to rub against each other, and they continue to have this friction, are all smooth. And all these rocks on the, on, uh, that are smooth have been just pulverized by all these things, these challenges that they've been facing. But the rocks that have never been touched, the rocks that don't bounce around or rub against each other, those rocks that are, are protected from everything seem to have all the rough edges on them. When everything that's been beat up and that has been pounded on and pounded on wave after wave and rock after rock rubbing against each other are these really pretty smooth rocks. That's powerful. That's what God is doing in our lives. 
The irony is that something tumultuous is used to make something smooth and healthy and whole. That's what God does with our pain. Paul's third experience, he had this paradise experience that could have made him conceited, but then he had this thorn in his flesh that was put in there so that he wouldn't become conceited, that he was always dependent upon God. And then his third experience was simply this, that he experienced the perfect power of God. In verse 9, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is being made perfect in weakness. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It is being made perfect. It is in, in your weakness. In other words, we are experiencing the power of God every time we acknowledge our weakness when we come to Jesus. Is there something nagging you right now? Is there an ailment that you're facing? Is there something you're going through right now? It's not time to pray that substitution prayer. Oh God, take this away from me. It's, oh God, let this change me. Let, let this draw me into you. Let this make a difference in my life. God doesn't want to waste your pain. He will never waste your pain if we will submit our hearts and our lives to him and let him transform rather than substitute. Can you imagine David walking out in front of the Goliath with his sling? David could have been overconfident, but what I believe is the truth, is that he's, he, he acknowledged that when he fought a bear, it wasn't him fighting that bear, it was God. When he fought a lion, it wasn't him fighting the lion, it was God fighting the lion. It, he said, God has helped me fight this bear and this lion, and he will help me defeat this uncircumcised Philistine. He will help me. He will be the one that fights the battle. And that's how we have to acknowledge God's grace is sufficient. God is the one who gives us what we need to go through the difficult times. Like I said earlier, just about every insecurity I had before I, I came to Christ, God is using to help me pastor and lead our church. I couldn't do this without Jesus because I am weak. I am insecure. I don't have what it takes without God to lead our church into revival, into an experience that we can make a difference in this community. I believe with all my heart that what, what is weak in me is strong in God. And when I'm operating in that weakness and allowing God to take those things that I, I don't like about myself or those things that I don't, that I fear or those things that I don't have naturally to myself, I do have in Jesus Christ and in his name and in his power and for his glory, I will do everything I can to help be a pastor and a leader for this church to see God do great things, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Verse 9 continues on. It says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> I, therefore I will boast all the more gladly. Earlier he said, I don't want to boast about those things that are special about me. I want to boast about 
my weaknesses, is what Paul says. Then he says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's where God wants us to live. He wants us to live in our weaknesses so that we call upon him and say, God, in my own strength, I cannot do this, but in you, I can. And that's the difference between the power of this world and the power of God. When we see people stand up and say, in my power, I will do this. In my power, it's limited. But when we get up and say, not in my power, but in God's power, we, we have an unlimited power to make a difference and see God change us and our world, and it's a powerful, powerful thing. I like what one author says, Oswald Chambers. It says this. It says, God does not ask us to do the things that are easy to us naturally. He only asks us to do the things we are perfectly fitted to do by his grace. Listen to that again. He only asks us to do the things we are perfectly fitted to, by his, to do by his grace. And the cross will come along that line always. In other words, there will always be a sacrifice. We're not called to do things that are within our own power. Whatever we're called to do will likely be called upon our weaknesses. Will likely be, will require that we have to submit and say, God, I can't do that without you. I can't do that. I can't, th this ailment is making me call upon God. This, whatever it is in our lives, whether it be a physical thing or whether it be a spiritual thing or whether it be an emotional thing or whether it be a confidence issue or whatever it is, you feel incapable. If you feel incapable of doing what God's called you to do, perfect. That's awesome because that is exactly where God wants you to be and exactly where God wants us to be as a church. Oh, we're not a small church. We need to be a, a, a church that has a big faith. Amen? We need to be a church that has a big faith that says, in God's grace, and even though we may seem to have a weakness, it is God who is strong in us. And in this weakness, he is made perfect. His strength is made perfect in us. I love that. If you've had a mountaintop experience, you've likely had a valley experience. If you've had an experience that brought you way up there, you've likely had God say, okay, now it's time to come down and be a little humble and make sure that you don't get caught up there. Maybe you're going through a weak moment in your life and you need to simply admit that this is part of life. You're aging. We're aging. I should have never been on that balance bike. I'm 59 years old with a bum knee, and I'm sitting on this little bike like this, and I fall over, and all of a sudden that knee's going directions I should never have thought that knee should go. That's just life. That's not God. That's, not, that's Ricardo's stupidity of getting on the bike. That's gravity taking control and saying, when you fall, you go down. You don't go up. That's just stuff. But maybe what you're going through right now, God doesn't want you to substitute it. He wants you to ask for the transformation. Maybe what we're going through right now in our world, in our country, in our church, whatever the case may be, no matter what we're going through, let's ask God to transform us, not substitute. Not substitute. I, I know that you may be discouraged. I know you may be frustrated. I know it may be difficult what you're going through, but God is in control, and he wants to right now be, show his perfect power in your life. Let's pray. 
God, I believe that you're doing something unique today. You're doing something in all of our lives, identifying our weaknesses, which is humbling. And at the same time, you're telling us that in those weaknesses, you become perfect. Your perfect power will, will become evident in those weaknesses. I pray in the name of Jesus that every life in, the, in these cars and online, in the name of Jesus, would be transformed. Lord, I'm not asking you to take these things away. May they become points of leverage for your glory to shine and for your power to be made perfect in us. I pray that you would transform our lives, taking our weaknesses and becoming all-powerful in us, Lord, so that the world would not see us in our own self-made power, but that we would, they would see God and God-made power in our, in our purpose, in your plan, in your perfection. I thank you and I praise you for that, God. May your perfect power rise up in your church today. May your perfect power rise up in our weaknesses. And may people go, hey, where did that come from? It's not, didn't, they recognize that it did not come from us, Lord, but it came from you. And I pray that your perfect power be exemplified in our words, in our actions, in our disciplines, in our homes, in our marriages, in every aspect of our lives, in our finances. In the name of Jesus, may your power be lifted up and may we see transformation, not substitution, God. We thank you and we embrace those weaknesses today in Jesus' name. Now, maybe you're here today and you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Whether you're on site or online, I pray that you would just simply say this one prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept your forgiveness based on the work on the cross. And I recognize that you are raised from the dead, which promises us eternal life with you and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. If you prayed that prayer right now, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Your next step is baptism, which is next week. So let us know. But we're excited that God is moving in your life. And whether you're, you're in, in a moment of just going through tough times because we live in a fallen world, Maybe you're being disciplined by God, but maybe, just maybe, God is leveraging a weakness in your life to show his perfect power. I pray that God would have his way in your life today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.